Matthew 5, verse number 3, we're going to talk about Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain, the greatest message, as uh, we find different commentaries say, was the greatest message in Scripture, was the one of Beatitudes. It is a new start of a new generation, a new culture, and in fact, a new way for the Jews to begin to look at what happen, as to what's happening in their future. But he says in Matthew 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever heard someone say, God bless you? You know, I, I said that in the first service, and I understand when a person sneezes, what do we say? God bless you. But I found out as someone brought it to my attention in the Southern culture among women, that if a real Southern woman, and I, I, don't, I don't know how, how do you define a real Southern woman, but anyway, a real Southern woman often will smile and say, God bless you. And when I Google it and someone brought to my attention, what it really means is, I loathe you. I didn't know that until now. So be certain if someone says to you, God bless you, that they're not Southern. How about that? You got it made. They really mean it. I, I didn't realize that. And uh, when you see the word bless in the Bible, as you see, blessed are those that mourn, it means happy. According to the Greek word, it means happy. Happy are you if you follow in the guidance and direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the Beatitudes, in this message series, we're going to give you eight of them that will guide your path and say, okay, I know how to shout it. I know how to talk it. I know how to pray it. I know how to believe it, but I want to know how to live it. Amen. I want to live a blessed and happy life. How about you? So here we go. Jesus is preparing. And so here's the beginning of Matthew 5, verse number 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. First time I ever saw this. And then when I did a study, this is the way it was in biblical days. How many want to go back to the good old days of the Bible? May I see here? That's right. But here's, if we do that, here's what he did. The teacher, the preacher, always sat down. And the crowd always stood the entire time. They would stand for hours. Can you imagine how quickly we would plummet? And say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to that church where I have him stand up for the whole time he's preaching. He can stand. That's what we pay him to do. But that's, that's not the way it was in the holy word of God, friend. But we're not going to practice that today. I'll stand and you'll be seated. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You see, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Read the latter part. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy is the person who's poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God are in fact the same. Now, when he says poor in spirit, in this very first message of his teaching there in Matthew, he's not talking about physical poverty, blessed are those, happy are those that can't rub two nickels together and are sick all the time. He's not saying and talking about material poverty or talk, he's talking about spiritual poverty. And he said, there's a difference when, it, when you relate to the word poor. So here's some of the translations of that scripture. God blesses those who recognize their need for him. Here's another. God blesses or makes happy those who recognize they are spiritually helpless without God. Here's another. God blesses those who only depend on him. 
Here's another in the final. God blesses those who know they have great spiritual needs. Putting it all together, here's what it means. It means I am inadequate to live my life without God. Without God, I am spiritually poor. My ingenuity, my wealth, my ability, my scheming, none of that can bring me the kind of life that causes me to be blessed and to be happy unless I absolutely learn to depend upon the Lord. Wow, inadequate to handle the problems of my life. So here it is. If I want to be happy with the money that I have or the lack thereof, I have to lean on the Lord. If I want to be happy, no matter how sick I might be, lean on the Lord. I want to be happy, no matter who's mad at me, upset with me, I'm going to lean on the Lord. I need to lean and trust on God. So you have several areas and ways to do that. Here it is. I want to depend on God's wisdom, not mine. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's smarter than you are. I know that's, that's, that's strange news to some of you. But God is smarter than you are. Proverbs 14, 12, here it is. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, what does it do? Leads to death. It seems right to man, but it leads to death. You see, that word seems right has to do with feeling. You ever heard someone say, well, in my gut... That's what I think we ought to do. In, in my gut, I'm going to do, and I feel, I feel it, I feel it way down deep in my gut. Buddy, I can name people person after person who felt it in their gut and eventually threw up. <laughs> Are you with me? In my gut. What does it mean? You shouldn't, you shouldn't use your head. You shouldn't use that. See, here's another word, intuition. I have an Intuition. Well, listen, what's wrong with seeking God's face first and know that you know that you know you have heard from God? But we don't do that often in our lifestyle because it takes time, pray tell, to let God speak to us. You see, we found the right person. How, how do you know? It just, I just feel like with her, it, it just feels right. I had a dream. Yeah, and if it's not God, you're going to have a nightmare. <laughs> it just feels right. It just feels right. I wonder if she was ugly as all out sin. Well, I won't even, I'll just stop right there. How would you feel? Hello? I wonder if he weighed 485 pounds. And if you weigh 485, I am so sorry, okay? Would you say it just feels right? You know why? Because we're led by our eye. We're led by how we feel. And God says, if you want to be happy, start learning not to depend on your understanding. Start listening to me. Start following me. Start, start believing me. Because if you follow how you feel, it'll end up in death. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own what? on your own understanding. How can it be much clearer? To get wisdom, you have to pray and read the Word of God. 
And here's what the Bible says, James 1, verse 5. He said, if you lack wisdom, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to get there, he said, you ought to pray and ask God who gives generously and graciously that wisdom to all. It's not God's desire for us to look ignorant. It's not God's desire for us to hit dead-end roads every single time. It's not God's desire that we not have some kind of success in our lives. It's not God's desire that we never are able to put the ball in the hoop. It's God's desire that we be blessed and we be happy and we enjoy the abundance of God's grace. But listen, culture will take you away from that, and the more you get away from depending on God, the more challenge you're going to have. Because here it is, the more money you make, if you fail to give to God, here's what the Bible said, it'll go through your pocket like your pocket has a hole in it and sand running through it. God's way is always the best way. Amen? I believe that. You can't depend on your own ingenuity. You see, you have to get in that word. You say, okay, well, listen, I, I just, I have that, that gut feeling. Let me tell you, God's filled with truth, but your gut is filled with pizza. That's a fact. It's filled with pizza. Here's another. I depend on God's strength and not mine. So I got God's wisdom, not my understanding, but God's wisdom. But here's another. I have to depend on God's strength and not mine. How many of you know of, okay, know of a strong-willed person? Raise your, raise your hand. Go ahead and get it up. It's all right. It's all right. I'm going to ask it one more time. Don't let fear not let you respond because you might be close to that strong-willed person. I'm going to ask it one more time. And my prayer is I was seeking God this morning. I said, God, they're going to do a lot of exercise. And the Lord said, tell them if they don't get into that exercise period, they're going to be fleas under their arms and in their bed sheets tonight. So I'm going to ask it. I'm just telling you. How many of you know of a strong-willed person? How many are a strong-willed? <laughs> my Lord, have nothing wrong with being strong-willed, Right? Nothing wrong, as long as you depend on the Lord Jesus Christ and you know when to get off your train onto God's train. Amen? God's train. I like that. That came right from heaven right there. God's wisdom. I want to depend on God's strength. You ever get tired? How many? I heard I had a lady in my one, two, my second pastor. Every day, you've heard me say it. Every time you ask, how are you doing? You just learn not, I am mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. If you didn't want to hear that, you didn't go near her. Or you preempted her. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because I know you're physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually depleted there. You just, that's what you did. At the end of the day, your strength is limited. Did you know that? But God's strength is unlimited. I'm going to depend on his strength. Your strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. We know that your strength is exhaustible, but God's strength is inexhaustible. And Psalms 84, verse number 5, here it is. You bless all who depend on you for their strength. So God, I know that I'm strong. I, I know, I understand, I know that I'm strong-willed, but here's what I know. I'm going to seek your wisdom, not my understanding, but I'm going to let you know I'm going to lean on your hand of strength and not mine. I depend on your strength. And when you get down, here's what Isaiah says, Isaiah 40, 31, those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. Those that trust in the Lord for help. Trust in the Lord for help, will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not faint. 
That is my testimony. That is your testimony. Boy, this week was a grueling week and dealing with different people and speaking with them and ministering to them and taking them through difficulty of sometimes the darkest moments of their life or whether it, you know, whether it had to do with great uh, pain and great challenges, whether it meant the loss of a loved one, whether it meant divorce, whether it meant bankruptcy all this week, whether it meant a person you know, considering suicide, all of that. It is always good to know that in our darkest moments, we can trust God for help and our strength can be renewed. Janet Retzel is out there, right there. Janet, raise your hand. Several months ago now, she was hit with a major stroke. Is that correct? A major stroke. The doctors, I got the call, thought she, let me use this term, she ain't going to make it. But I got to tell you, enough began to pray, began to believe God when she was back there the other day. I'm here to tell you they tried to minimize it. But she said, glory to God, in my weakness, God became strong. Put your hands together and let's thank God for that. Amen. And in church today, praise God, in your darkest moment, if you decide to trust him when you're in financial reverses, trust him when you're lonely, trust him when you've got it wrong, trust him when you're being disciplined, trust him. Here's what will happen. You can say, as the psalmist said in Psalm 71, verse 16, I walk in the strength of the Lord. As a matter of fact, say it with me now. I walk in the strength of the Lord. Say it again. I walk in the strength of the Lord. You just memorize that. I walk in the strength of of the Lord. I walk in. The, did you notice that in the worship team, that one sang, they sang, God is on our side. God is. Did you notice that the one who took the lead part was wearing a houndstooth outfit? Houndstooth is Alabama. I could not believe they gave her that part that says, and it, it had to be a setup, my friend. God is, God is working for us. What if you're a Clemson fan and you believe Jesus? What does that mean? God's not working for us. He is against us. How many Alabama fans do we have this morning? Oh, redemption is in the house for y'all. How many Clemson fans do we have? Oh, there you go. A few over here. How many really don't care fans do we have? <laughs> I want you to know that, my friend, whatever you are, if you're a tither, I'm on your side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, I'll get in trouble for that. <laughs> when you do the right thing, you do it in the strength of the Lord. Psalm 73, 26, my health. Well, I, 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 I am told that when you get old, your body speaks back to you. I'm told that when you get old, that your body, you ache and you pain and and you tell other people that when you get together, old people in their small group, they talk about their doctors and their next visit. They talk about their, their inability, you know, and their doctor didn't do it, how much insurance has come. They talk about Medicare, Medicaid. They, they talk about in their small groups all about that. And this morning, I already heard a couple talking, said this cold weather is just giving my hip a fit. It's old people. How many of you know one? At least one. There you go. Oh, my knees are aching, etc. So, so God says you can depend on God in your strength when you're old. Well, 
You're kidding. Well, Psalm 73, 26, let's read it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Even when you're old, he said, you can lean on me. Amen. Lean on me. I don't know the rest of it, but it's a good song. Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China. Uh, he's brilliant and a phenomenal missionary in the uh, early 19th century. Uh, later in his life, he became an old man, as most people do when you live, and he's way up in age, and he writes a letter to his friend. He said, I'm so weak, I can no longer work. I'm so weak, I can no longer study. I'm so weak, I can't read my Bible, can't see it. I'm so weak, it's even hard to pray. But here's one thing I know that I can do. I can crawl up in the arms of Jesus Christ and lay down there because he gives me strength. Amen. Paul says, when my grace is sufficient for your needs, here's number three, you depend on God's timing. God's timing. You continue to mature in life and in Jesus, you understand the value of timing. In the sports world, timing is everything. In football, I would think timing is important, that the ball should be somewhere near where the receiver's at, right on time. In baseball, timing is important. The difference between an amateur pitcher and a professional pitcher is timing. Well, a golfer, you're an amateur golfer and a professional golfer. The difference often is timing. If you're a professional chef, you, in fact, know that it takes exactly 37 seconds for a Pop-Tart in the toaster to come out perfect. You just know it's timing. Timing is everything. My brother knows the exact time that a sconce needs to be in the microwave. Lamar does before, in fact, it's ready. It's like 11 or 12 seconds, and he knows exactly because he's a professional in that area. But that timing is called waiting. How many of you like to wait? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. How many like to wait? See, you know what I believe? Y'all don't know what to think because you don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know whether you're going to be right to say I'm waiting or you don't know whether you're going to be wrong. But here it is. Waiting is a season. Timing in our lives. Now, don't miss this point. You see, no matter what's happening in your life, it's not happening when you think it should and you're having to wait And you're having to be patient. Always in the season of waiting and patience on your part, it does not mean that God is not working in your behalf. It means that God has a perfect timetable with which to bring things to pass. Sharon said to me yesterday, I'd like to go to Ikea. Now, the whole service this morning in the first service, I said Aldi. It's not Aldi, it's Ikea. So I got it right now. Ikea, because I was told 50 times, why did you drive to Tampa to go to Aldi when there's one right here in Lakeland? (laughs) And, of course, I responded as typical, y'all all all wrong. I said it right, you just heard it wrong. That's just like marriage, isn't it? (laughs) 
But she said, I, I need to go to Ikea. Well, I knew it was one of those things that like, you going to do it now? Or are you going to do it later? I say, let's do it now. You guys with me? Y'all not. You don't know whether to be with me or not, do you? You're so confused. So we got in the car and we went. It was raining. We had Sydney with us. When you get to Ikea over there, she said to me on the way, you know how to get there? I've been there two or three times. I said, sure. No man's going to say no. No real man's going to say no. I said, sure. So we get off the interstate at the exit that I think we ought to exit on. And I get to the end of the exit. I had in mind, I took my phone out. And I said, Ikea directions. It came up. She looked at me and says, oh, my God. I said, I'm glad you call on him. I thought you said you knew how to get there. I said, patient woman. Be patient. You know, I know how to get there. And boy, it came right up. I hit directions and roll right up, just roll right up to it. Just like it was supposed to be. And then when we get there, they have these buggies. How many has ever been to Ikea? Oh, Jesus. They don't have buggies that is singularly directional. Their buggies go every direction under the sun. You push straight, they go sideways. I thought, this might be more fun than what I thought. Sydney was with us, and I thought, you know, I can't hit anybody on purpose. But she can. Sydney, you drive this buggy, okay? You know? And, I mean, she's about this tall, and she'd take that thing and go just one, one direction or another. And finally, she finds what it is she wants, a hallelujah. We hit it, load up the buggy, let's, let's get out of here. I didn't say all that. So we found a line. I scoped the lines out. That one doesn't look like a moving. That cashier's asleep on the job. That one over there, she's confused. That one over there, that guy, he doesn't know what day it is. This one seems like they're most apt to get me through this line in a hurry. That's good planning, don't you think? It's the way I thought. So one family's smarter than I was. Imagine that. They put one family member in this line and one family member in this line. I didn't have enough family. I couldn't say to Sydney, get over there with a buggy. I'll stand here with nothing. So when it got time, they were moving a little faster. I made a mistake. They were moving faster, and the guy turns here. He had big old deals, and he got over and got in their line. I said, thank you, Jesus. We're going through. We got up there, and I thought, you know, you know how it is. You got to get your car back. It was cold. It was rainy. It was freezing, and I had a brilliant idea. I can leave now. So I said to Sharon, I said, I'm going to go get the car, and I'm going to back it up. She said, no, don't leave. Be patient. I said, how hard can it be? I'm thinking this. I didn't say it. How hard can it be to check out? You know, I could go get the car. No, be patient. But being the kind of husband that I try to be from time to time, I listened. I didn't move until she was about halfway checked out, and then I left, and we got the car then. I thought if she's going to kill me, she's going to half kill me now because I left about halftime. But it's be patient. I, don't, I, don't, I know where the red lights are that I travel in Lakeland that are slow. If you want to know what they are, you just ask me. I'll tell you. And there are stop signs that are slow too. Matter of fact, here's what I'd like. 
I would like to have me a remote control that when I drive up to a light and I get close to it, I could clip that light and it turn green and make everybody else stop with red. How many think that's selfish? Yeah, I think it's selfish. But boy, how many of you men would like to have one of those just for half a day? I'd take off work to go out and try it out. So I didn't know. So the fire chief of Lakeland attends the first service, Gary. He said, Pastor, I have one of those. You what? He said, yeah, the fire trucks and emergency, we have those. That little light up there, you just take it and point it and you click it. Your light turns green. They turn red. He said, but I can't give it to you. It's illegal. I thought, what does that matter? You only got, you only got to have one life to live. He said, you can't have it. I thought, I want to get him in my car. You can have it, and we're going to try it out. How many want to go with me when we go? That's what I figured. But what does that all boil down to? Patience. It's like when you go to McDonald's. The culture has caused us to not be. It's like McDonald's. I like art. Right, what would you like your order to be? I'd like, like this morning. I buy for staff. I thought I'd like four, uh, four bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. Would that, that complete your order? No, I'd like two sausage egg McMuffins. Does that complete your order? No, I'd like two egg McMuffins with folded eggs. Does that complete your order? Yes, it does. All right. I know I buy that every Sunday morning. I know the total. I pull around, and the lady is there. Here's what I would like personally. I'd like turn around, pay the bill, give her the money, and then drive to the next window and the sack be sticking out the window so you don't have to stop for that second window. That's what I would like, Frank. But it doesn't work that way. Here's what I know most of the time. Well, 40% of the time, the order ain't right anyway. So you can't run. That's the culture we live in. Everything is quick. It causes us to be impatient. And so as a result of that, how does that fit in? How does that fit in to the way God says, I want to let you enjoy a season of just being patient. A season where you're praying for a family member and they're getting meaner and more distant and getting deeper in sin. How are you managing that? wait that you come to realize that when there are no answers that it means that God is saying I'm taking my time because I don't get in hurry I am eternal and then when you know in Isaiah 60 verse 22 he says I am the Lord and when it is time I will make these things happen quickly when it is time say that with me when it is time. Tuck that in your heart. You see, the world waited for thousands of years for a Messiah. And one day he came as a baby born in a manger. You and I have been waiting for a couple thousand years for him to return. I'm telling you, he is coming back. Amen. Just be patient. Look to the eastern skies and know it's going to come to pass. You see, God will take place. Micah 7, verse 7. I trust the Lord God to save me and I will wait for him to answer my prayer. I will wait for him to answer my prayer. Let's say it. I will wait for him to answer 
answer my prayer. You know what you just did? You got rid of a whole lot of worry, a whole lot of anxiety, a whole lot of fear, and you decided to trust in God and be happy and not let that thing tear you apart. Number four, you depend on God's defense and not your own. Have you ever heard someone say, the Bible says, someone hits you, you turn the other cheek, but it doesn't say what to do after that. If you feel that way, don't wait for the second slap. Amen? If that's already in your spirit, when they hit you, go ahead and cold cock them. If that's in your spirit. But here's, here's what it means. It says there will always be people in your life who will misunderstand you. There will always be people in your life who will criticize you, judge you. You'll never be able to do anything right as far as they're concerned. They'll gossip about you. They'll spread rumors about you. They'll put it on Facebook. Even though they're your brothers in Jesus. And they'll put it out there. So if you think, okay, I want to be perfect so no one will talk about me. Jesus was perfect and a whole lot of people talked about him. And not in a nice way. So you just might as well say, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be blessed. And I'm going to lean on the Lord, and I'm going to lean on His strength, and I'm not going to strike back. When I get attacked, I'm not going to attack back. When I get criticized, I'm not going to criticize back. When I get slammed, I'm not going to slam back. When I get insulted, I'm not going to insult back. You see, I'm simply going to leave my defense up to God. What are you going to do when you're on the interstate? You're on the interstate and, and someone thinks that you pulled over in front of them too quickly and they give you the universal sign. What are you going to do? I hope not. What are you going to do? I admit I have failed in that regard, not with the universal sign. But I have said, God bless you in Jesus' name. I feel better now that I have confessed. <laughs> Circumstances, you're misunderstood. Two things happen in your life. You're either going to be a strike back person or you're going to be a person that lets God strike back. You're either going to give your life running around fighting and fighting and angry and all that goes with it, taking issue with every little thing. You're just going to lay that back in the hands of the Lord. And we have a good illustration out of 1 Peter 2.23. When they hurled insults at him, talking about Jesus, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats back. Instead, he entrusted himself to God to set things what? Right. You think we can do that? Well, that's good preaching up there, Pastor. But, I mean, you're going to have to face reality. I just did. If I want to be happy and I want to be blessed, I have to learn to do it God's way. You see, we can do that by the grace of God. Sometimes the only people that call on God and really get serious about God is when they look in the rearview mirror on the interstate and they see blue lights flashing. And that's when they get serious about prayer. Oh, God, I hope that he or she, that trooper, is not coming after me. Not like someone on our staff who's related to me that that happened to the other day. <laughs> what I want to hear, how about you, is well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be happy. 
I want to be blessed. How many know sometimes you have to make your own happiness? You know, you just really do. You have to, have to make your own fun. Psalms 2.12, God blesses and protects everyone who runs. Here it is, who runs to him. Finally, here we go. I depend on God's wealth, not mine. <laughs> he was talking about classes, the help classes. We have people to help you through divorce. We have classes to help you through grief. Have classes that help you through, you know, difficult relationships. We have classes. I thought, you know, we ought to start a class. We ought to start a class on for people a support group who have more money than they know what to do with. <laughs> yeah, I need a support class because I got more money than I know what to do with. <laughs> I'll be a member of that class just to take names. But you know what? People with big money, money becomes often their curse. Because the more you have, have you noticed, the more you want to keep and guard. So if I depend on God's wealth and not mine, the bottom line is I don't have enough resources to be able to pay out of my resources for my next breath. If God says you're on your own on that next breath, come up with some resource that you get it. I couldn't do it. Because I've come to the conclusion that God's wealth is far better than mine. God's wealth of my health. Janet Retzel, they faced a challenge at a moment's notice. But you know who it was that showed up? There were not enough smart doctors, not enough emergency care, not enough emergency personnel. You know who stepped into the picture that said, I've got vast resources of healing, and I'm going to give it to you. God's wealth of financial, God's wealth of healing, God's wealth of understanding, God's wealth of supplying your very needs and some of your wants. Paul says, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all my needs from his abundant wealth because of what Christ Jesus has done for me. God is my source. Supplying all of my needs, giving me plenty of everything. Well, how do I not get everything God has? If you go to your, your faucet or, or, you know, your spigot. I mean, we used to call it spigot. Spigot. How many still call it the spigot? Go to the spigot. There you go. It's good. If you go to the spigot and you turn the handle and no water comes out, what do you think? Oh, God, all the water on earth dried up. There's no more water. I turned on the faucet. There's no water. Well, what do you think? Hey, there, there's something wrong. And usually it has to do with the, with the pipe or the conduit that maybe one is broke. And here's what God says. If you want the flow of God's favor and God's blessing as it relates to your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, material, everything, be sure that the conduit with which God flows is secure. 
and gets to the end result of God's pleasure in your life. When you do, I'm telling you, you can then lean on the Lord because here's what God will do. It is not by might nor by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. The Lord blesses everyone who trusts in Him. Can you say amen? Who trusts in Him. So, God, I want your favor. I want your blessing. He said, listen to the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit means spiritually you depend on Jesus, and he will never fail you. He'll always give you exactly what you need. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord just a praise offering with our hands. Would you do that? Let's just bow our heads. Some of you are in this room. God spoke to you explicitly in this message. God sent you a lifeline. He sent you a new thought. He sent you a new mental image, a new perspective. You heard it, and it came from Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Here's what you have to decide to do. Are you going to take it for yourself? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to stand on what God's gifted to you in this message when you get home? Are you going to stand on it when, in fact, the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to lure you away to once again take hold of that burden, once again take hold of that negative thought, once again try to deal with it your own way? How are you going to deal with that? Are you going to say, God, my strength is in you? God, this moment of waiting, you said you would answer and you would do it quickly when you choose to do it. I'm okay with that. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, as we heard what you said to each of us. Some in this room are by means of communication. Their heart is not right with you. They know in their heart of hearts they got a good talk. They know that most people would think, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a follower. But in reality, they know in their behavior... They don't really care about you much at all except what they can get out of you. God, that's rebellious sin. And that rebellion causes one to be in danger of hellfire. I pray you would humble our hearts. I pray that we would not pray selfish prayers. I pray that we'll not be judgmental. I pray that we'll not be too thin-skinned. That we'll learn to lean over on you. And know that you care. I pray when the door of opportunity comes to be critical, that we'll just step away from it and declare that that's not our spirit. That's the spirit of darkness trying to prevail in our lives. I pray that whatever you choose to do and every person in this room right now, you do it according to your divine will. In Jesus' name. Would you repeat this prayer, everyone in this room? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I seek forgiveness. I, seek forgiveness. I, have failed. I have failed. I have made mistakes. I have, made mistakes. I have, failed, miserably I have failed miserably in some areas of my life. Some areas of my life. I'm, asking you for forgiveness. I'm asking you for forgiveness. I believe as you forgive me, I believe that you, forgive you, have forgotten you have forgotten every sin. Every sin. 
So I ask you to come into my life. Intercept the behavior of darkness that comes against me. I desire to stand on your word. I want to sacrifice for you. I want to work for you. I want to believe in you. And I trust you to develop my spirit to do those things. So here I am. Asking you again, Asking you again to, touch my life. to touch my life in your name. In your name. Amen. Amen. You believe God hears and answers prayer. Some of you are in store for a real miracle. We've been fasting and praying this week. We've been believing God. We've been trusting Him. Your action will be the moment you step out of that pew, out of that row into that aisle, and come as God directs you. I want to let you know that some of you will be held back because of pride. Defeat that pride, curse it in the name of Jesus. And be certain that you're trusting in this move for God. Lean not to your own understanding, but listen to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you right here and right now. And if you need healing and you've been complaining about it, and you've had a reoccurring challenge of sickness of aching and whatever the case i ask you listen to the healer he has a wealth of healing just for you as we sing this song we'll give the benediction in a moment you slip down to this altar we'll pray for you appropriately would you do that